NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. We actually are high grade cricket. Hello and welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast on today's show. We'll ask if there's any danger of Pakistan winning a game in England of Owen Morgan's career best form and the weather will sweep Babar. Stuart Broad puts himself first by saying there aren't enough runs in the test team. Australia are dancing in the gym in the bio bubble. Cricket is on free-to-wear TV in England, but will it be in Australia? A couple of fantastic chats this week with Sam Billings and Harry Conway to discuss money, hat-tricks, Dhoni, James Faulkner, rigs and salads. Hashtag RCDC involves steroids, Kingston Creams and wicket exchange rates. This episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. We can get your exclusive customized face marks at budgiesmuggleruk.com. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash greycricketer for more exclusive content every single week. You can also find this episode right now on YouTube as well as all the usual places on Spotify and iTunes and all the other podcast apps for full interviews, cut downs of the show. If you want to like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, that would help us out a lot. My name is Ian Higgins and I'm joined by Sam Perry, who we're calling apparently now in the DMs, Pezzy Lad. Mm. How are you, Sam? Well, thanks, mate. Yep. Well, thanks again. Bit going on in the show. Looking forward to getting into it. Name of the show. We committed to that. Yeah. Bit going on. All right, mate. Well, let's go with the opening question here. Now, apparently there's an MRF stick, which is retailing for Australian dollars, I presume, $2,450 at Kingsgrove Sports, or as it's been uh, seen elsewhere as King- Queensgrove Sports. That's right, depending on, yeah, your literature. Pezzy lad, $2,450 Australian dollars for a cricket bat. Well, don't there, say that we don't start with the important questions on the show. I don't care if Joe Root's not picked in the T20 side. Exactly. What does Stuart Shaw Broad says? Oh, what's happening with free-to-air cricket? We'll yeah. get to that. Yeah. But let's deal with the Kingsgrove A catalog. stick is how much? Yeah. $2,450. That's fucking so much money, man. That's heaps of money. It makes me feel old. Like, it makes me feel like how John Howard must have felt when he said milk was like 60 cents as Prime Minister. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when I first saw a bat, it was $600, and I was like, well, this is getting out of hand now. Yeah. And I was 11. But yeah. I, I already knew capitalism was going one way, and I didn't like it. That's before the oil <laughs> money came in. <laughs> Firstly, shout out to Kingsgrove Cricket Catalogue, by the way. I thought you say, like, shout out to oil. <laughs> Shout out to Petro State. <laughs> Shell uh, and BP sponsors of the show. Uh, Kingsgrove Catalogue is not, not a sponsor, just general homage to them. Like, and for many listening to the cast, so Kingsgrove Catalogue was the finest piece of literature you could read between ages 9 to 14. 100%. Um, so respect to them. Uh, a few things about this bat. We saw this pop up on Facebook. Uh, so it was, a, it was a screenshot of the Kingsgrove Catalogue. Okay. 
Um, okay. Okay. All right. Okay, Get off my back. Yeah. The best thing for me was it was down from $2,495, so it was a $45 saving if yeah, you okay. want to get that. Well, you're uh, saving money, MRF actually. Yeah. I just, look, MRF is a bit after my time, I must say. Yeah, it's like, yuck. Uh, it's yuck. Well, it's an it's a Indian multinational tyre manufacturer. There's so, that as well. Um, of course, like the equivalent in Australia would be like a Bridgestone bat. Yeah, good, course, year, good year sticks. Of course, Bridgestone closed its doors in Adelaide in 2010. Um <laughs> Did they? Of course, well, people are yelling that into their uh, earphones yeah. right now. Uh, Close its doors. Has he lad? Nearly Come a on. decade ago. Mm. Um, it kind of reminded me of like what well, I don't know what your history of like purchasing sticks is, but I made one of the dumbest purchases of my life. Not just for bats, like of in my commercial transacting life. Fuck, when okay. it came to a bat, mm-hmm. uh, I was about twenty twenty one, like mm-hmm. playing the highest level cricket I had played at that time. Greg Chapel Cricket Centre. I used to go there. I'd pick up the bats. Like I was very big on the pick up and all that kind of stuff, mm. but. I found this grey nickel stick. Now, to this point, I hadn't ever bought a grey nickels before, and my identity was firmly set in other bats. Never grey nickels. It just didn't feel right to me. I don't know what it was. It just felt too stolid kind of thing. Respect to grey nicks just wasn't my identity. But I saw this bat. and What did you use? Uh, look, it's boring to get into. I started, like I was Mark Wall. obviously started with V100, okay. uh, whatever, and then I moved to GM just to get the, the war thing going on. Okay. I had a good Impala bat once. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, rare. Not, not been used with the kitchens. That's right. Was it the same company anyway? Yeah, um, definitely not. Anyway, I found this great nickel stick and I have to confess now that like I think the thing that got me over the line for what would have been maybe an $850 bat was the um, colour of the grip handle. Which was? Light blue, so it matched my eyes. <laughs> and it was the worst stick I've ever had. It was it, it was very little middle to speak of yep. for the price. Uh it was, it was a piece of junk, and yeah. I know deep down, this is my confession now, I know that I ended up selecting that back because I thought this just looks good, like it, and, and the grip colour, which is just ridiculous. Fuck. I understand how ridiculous it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got me over the line. So anyway, yeah, you know, just treat that MRF bat with um, a bit of circumspection, I'd hey, say, if I you're in the, the market for I it. I had the same experience because I always use Kookaburra, always, and then my last stick that I bought, which was a $900 bat, it was Grey Nicks, and I didn't like it. Yeah. Didn't feel right in my hands. Yeah. How good's I think if you're Grey Nicks, you're probably Grey Nicks from birth kind of thing. It's a, it's a calling. Alistair Cook was born with a Grey Nicks in his That's hands. That's right. Yeah, Sam Billings. Yeah. Same thing. Yes. Um, David Boone earlier. Good the point. Grey Nicksman. Good point. I mean, like, what, at what if, because people will know in the sphere of club cricket if you've got the $2,450 bat yeah. marked down from 2495 Of course. Did you get that saving? So, so like, how, like how good? How many runs do you need to score to make that worthwhile? Like that—that's that's your last bat you can buy for a start. That's your last stick. That bat's got to last fifteen years. But isn't it the case that the better the bat, the um, less life it has because of the the grains? You know, not. Uh, I mean, let's not get into X's nose of bats, by the way, because I've got mm. a fuck all idea. But mm. you know, the grains aren't as compressed, so there's more spring in it, but more likely to snap. Kind of thing. So maybe maybe it's just one of those incredible trysts, you know, sexual trysts that I'm sure you've had before, which they don't last very long, but fuck you, remember them. Fucking hell. 2,450 bucks, a couple of tons, and <laughs> I'll break. For, I've never paid for it. Um, Pez, someone wrote in actually, um, and I say someone because I haven't got his name written down, but I can open that and up. And no doubt it was a he. And it was uh, Jolly and Bryce. He mm. wrote in a question in relation to this. He said, morning, just coming into two crickets. Spends pounds on a new bat. Well, like how these are all read, like word for word, just to highlight their typos and spelling errors. Go on, sorry. Uh, 
Pounds on a new bat, signed up for my local village team, booked lessons at a local cricket coach, had my first lesson Saturday morning. Coach rated me 7 out of 10. Pleased with that for a first go. So pleased, so pleased, in fact, I spaffed 96 quid on new gloves and a thigh protector I didn't need. Went to the game full of confidence. Got a dubious first ball LBW decision. Third duck of the season. I've played four games. Team drinks slash curry after, after game. Had a few to drown my sorrows. Ended up agreeing to fund half of the new shipping slash storage container the club needs. Girlfriend now uh, alternating between amusement and not talking to me while she's frantically trying to find a secondhand one on eBay. At what point does a fun hobby tip into a relationship ruining, finance destroying, embarrassing debacle? Uh, am I destined to be the bloke with a little dog who rolls the pitch and hangs around telling everyone about that high score of 20 he once made? Yours, etc. Jay. Mm. Makes a good point. I, I, you can't have an investment of $2,450. not saying Jolly did, but – and that be any way worth it. Yeah, I want to know what he does for work. 96 quid on gloves. Gloves and a new thigh protector. Oh, okay. Thigh protector. Package okay. deal. Right. And what was he paying for at the end? A shipping container? Well, he used to agree to pay for half the shipping container. I'm not sure if this <laughs> What's is that going to do? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, the club does exports. Anyway, let us know how much money you're going to spend on a stick this year to yeah. pursue your yeah. dreams, your dreams and goals, which are completely unrealistic because you're not going to train any harder and you're the same person with the same small hands mm-hmm. and weak forearms. <laughs> Bess, what's up? Before we get into England, Pakistan, can you tell the people out there what's on Patreon this oh, quickly. week? Quickly real on quick, Patreon. Real quick. Great drive last week with Adam Zampa. Great take up after people wanted to know what he was talking about with New South Wales and growing hemp and stuff. Um, there was also Ask TGC Fridays, another episode of that. Uh, that included... Shakespeare, cuckoldry, turning down ones, crosswords, betting legalities, all-rounders, and um, a question about the corn dog. Yep. You'll have to subscribe to understand what that's about. Um, <laughs> this week, I'm very excited about this. So what we're dropping this week is uh, the, the debut installment of a series where simply titling Cricket Dreams Psychoanalysis. We talk about dreams a lot on the show, but we want to take a step further. We're not just going to kind of sit on our uh, pseudo-Freudian couch and just tell you what your cricket dreams mean. Mm-hmm. Um, we have got a specialist in, so it, it, it's a resident psych- psychologist for, you know, I suppose, um, for the great cricketer. His name's Jake Vincent, or at least he's going by Jake Vincent. I'll be specific. He's a psychological scientist currently studying... Jesus uh, Christ, Jesus Christ. I don't know what the fuck that was. Um, studying uh, honours, he's what we call a depth psychologist. Um, that was just my brain ringing off there. So, um, <laughs> he's had his well, own. had alarm bells ringing, <laughs> he's had his so, own. He's had his own dreams analysed and interpreted for two years in Jungian psycho, uh, psychoanalysis. Okay. Uh, so he'll be applying this to three dreams that we've selected one about Edward Scissorhands, another a recurring dream about someone missing four to five spikes on their shoe, and the final one is about David Hussey standing on a roof yelling to the author who's talking to his wife, don't take her shit. Okay, so Jack Vince <laughs> is going to be in interpreting that. That's okay. going to be on Patreon. So if you can't get around that, Patreon.com slash great cricketer. Of course, no dramas if you can't. England versus Pakistan is a thing that's happening at the moment. Pez, they've played two games so far. The first game was a washout, uh, which continues on the theme where they just keep moving around. Well, they're playing between two two cities, aren't they? Yeah. They're playing in Southampton, they're playing in Manchester. And obviously, two of those test on matches in, in Pakistan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, two of those matches in Pakistan were heavily rain affected. And uh, then the first one, well, England they had hit for a bit. Tom Banton yeah. whacked 70. Um, and that was a washout. Much to talk about there. No, like, I really like Tom Banton hits really clean balls. He's got wonderful levers. He's a levers based selection. A lot of levers. I, mean, I think I said this on the show before. Like I, I told my dad via text to watch Tom Banton for BBL once. He just watched this guy, and all he wrote back was "can't hit through the offside." <laughs> <laughs> he hit about sixty off twenty five or something like that. And then he like, he reverse swept one for six. Yeah, and I was like, there you go. Mm. He's like offside. His leg side went. You know, he's, yeah, dad, sure, dad sure, might sure. be on the spectrum. 
<laughs> That's what I thought about that game, mate. Let's talk about the second game. Pakistan amassed a very respectable score of going 10 and over. They scored 195. Yep. Um, and England chased down with five balls to spare. Yeah. Owen Morgan hit 60. He said he's in career best form. Big call because he's, he's scored a lot of runs. A lot of runs. Seems for Ireland and England. <laughs> Yeah, people who do that. Get on YouTube to see he goes face for that, just for that alone. Um, <laughs> highest run chase by any team against Pakistan in T20 cricket. Don't know, those records still don't really stack up just because of the recency of the code or, or that format kicking off. Yeah. It's still the highest against That's Pakistan. That's why I don't respect Bradman. It's like the game's pretty new. Yeah. He's the best player so far. That's right. Yeah. Um, Barbara Zam's the number one batsman in the world in T20s, really? which surprised me. I mean, this is all part of the Baba effect. Yeah. Um, and I will say his name slightly differently every time. Now, Babar mm. is uh, he's a good player, opens a batting in the T20s, hits a clean ball, doesn't hit through the offside, of course. Um, but I just feel like like the rankings, to have an argument with myself, Please. that they kind of mean nothing because everyone knows like the Cole, like Cole is the best in T20s, right? Everyone or are you bound that. to say that these days? Is it, is it one of those things that it's an unwritten thing? You know, if you're trying to make it in cricket, you've got to get into India. Yeah. The only time I've seen fear in Adam Zampa's eyes was when we asked him about Coley. He said, yeah, he's my bunny. And then actually his wonderful fiancé standing next to him, her eyes yeah. only popped out of her head at yeah. what he just said. Because oh, even, even like Hattie, and mm. I don't know how much, how, how much Hattie loves cricket, but mm. she knew mm. that he'd, he there was effigies being burned at that Well, moment. yeah, it's probably more the death threats coming to the DMs yeah. with, uh, you know, as, as part of the contractual arrangement. You're saying anything about... Bad about India. And that's why you're pumping up Kohli right now. No, I just feel like, you know, Bummer's a wonderful player and stuff, but like, you know, like to the, that ranking meant anything. Mm. Also, I just feel like Barbara Azam, like he's, you know, he's in the top four big boys as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, but is he like, he's, he's too new on the scene. Like, like. And he's T20I at the stage, and I call it T20I mm-hmm. normal. Um, <laughs> is it the stage where we can even start making kind of. D- deductions about who's good where and which countries are good. I mean, at the moment, T20 cricket is very much like it's a franchise-based game. It's a club-based game. Yeah. You, you can work out the best players through that. But then it's really like World Cup to World Cup when you want mm. to work out which countries are actually any good, right? Because mm. I just don't feel like I can trust T20 um, so tournaments. Yeah, like T20 tournaments at the moment, like T20 country tournaments. Yeah, because Australia was like supposed to be favourite to win the World Cup, This, which is happening, supposed to be happening mm. right now, right? That, that, uh, would, yeah, that would only time. have been because it was in Australia, surely. Good team, no doubt, yeah, if but it was in like, any other country. Australia's never taken it seriously. There was yeah. like Australia favourites, and I was like, are we? Like, yeah. Well, I've never seen us play well. Yeah. Never seen us put a team out. Yeah. Stark, though, I suppose, Finch and Warner. That's Until like, Australia selects a long-sleeved spinner mm-hmm. um, who weighs long sleeve, Yeah, mm. for, for appropriate purposes. Talk about Chris Green? As, until Australia selects a long sleeve spinner, then it's going to be difficult for me to see how they'll be the best at T20 cricket. Now, I started that conversation with Owen Morgan, being career best form. <laughs> We're talking about Chris Green, <laughs> Normal, normal segues. Um, Owen Morgan, I find, I think he's a little bit underrated, Morgan. Oh, he's, maybe, maybe this could be an overseas thing, but like he obviously won the World Cup yeah. for England. Um, he's been around for almost a decade, I reckon. He's got heaps of runs for Middlesex in, in, in the county stuff and four-ball cricket as well. But he's saying his career best form. Yeah, I mean, maybe he, he probably is just fully rated now. I think he's one of the great – well, one of the greats, one of the best players going around in white ball cricket mm. uh, and a lovely bloke to boot. I don't even know what – you know, again, he's, he's getting to a sort of nine or ten out of ten person. Yeah, So yeah. I just wonder what the skeletons are. What the secrets are. Yeah. Where are the bodies on? player. Well, someone who isn't rated um, is um, – any of the English batsmen, according to Stuart Broad, um, <laughs> who uh, who's just getting, he's just getting himself on that flight to Australia, isn't he, in 18 months' time, complaining already that they're not, the bats aren't scoring enough runs uh, for a series 18 months away. Uh, we'll talk about this off air, he goes, this, the broad, Broad's comments, yeah, just saying it doesn't matter if you bowl 95 miles an hour right. uh, if you're not scoring 200. You're not scoring over 200. Yeah. But uh, 
There's sort of it's like two ways to think about this, right? Like on the one hand, it's extraordinary, extraordinary, like broadside at his own. Uh, <laughs> I hate myself. At his own batters, especially someone like Joe Root, I'd imagine, you know, who's, who's skipper and just underperforming with the bat a little bit. It's like, well, you don't get many runs. I can't take any wickets. It doesn't matter how quick I bowl. Yeah. Then on the other hand, I'm sort of like, well, I kind of defend him because I'm like, this is how a lot of cricketers think anyway. It's just he's just putting it out into the public domain. I mm. mean, selfishness is a very important currency in cricket. You know, yes. Broad's just saying what all players think. And I noticed, like, Jonathan Liu, very good writer, uh, did a piece for The Guardian titled, you know, Wasted Wasted summer. Yeah. Or worse to that effect. Well, it's kind of what we were talking about like last week or, yeah, it was last week when we were wrapping up the summer. Sorry, yeah. Jack, but it was just kind of like, yeah, England had a very strange summer where, yeah, there's some huge moments like yeah. Zach Crawley scoring 200 and Anderson taking 600 wickets, Broad coming back into the team, going past 500, 400. Mm. And then it's kind of like, yeah, but Anderson and Broad just won the games again and Wokes did yeah. really well. And it's like, what, what have you learnt this summer? So Broad reacted to. Jonathan Liu on Twitter, like you just wrote in the comments and yes. uh, essentially said, like he called it clickbait mm. uh, and, and, and talked about all the great things the team had achieved and someone said, don't rise to it. He said, no, I'm a better player when I do that, which I thought was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Firstly, it wasn't clickbait. I mean, like clickbait needs to start with something like, you know, you won't believe how Stuart Broad wasted England <laughs> summer or, you know, Broad averaged 10 with the ball. You won't believe what happened next. I like the Rob the clickbait stuff. Exactly. Like stupid Aussies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. England yeah. wastes its summer with one weird trick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dumb fuckery by Batsley. What are you thinking? Exactly. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> uh, I sort of welcome it from Broad, really. You know, at least it's, at least it's just honest. But on the other mm. hand, yeah, it's extraordinary. Um, and, I, I, you know, cricket is the only game where you feel like someone could be one of the greats, you know, and take over 400 test wickets and actually become more insecure as their <laughs> yeah. career goes on, which is what I, 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 I feel like his comments radiate insecurity for his place. Yeah, it's um, it's it's he just wants to play the games, he wants mm. to play the game. Obviously, I'm like, very upset that he didn't play in the first test of the yeah. summer, the English summer. And that was, I, get, I understand that because he had like mm. a great, he, he was like the mm. best bowler in South Africa. Especially, he should play in England. He should play in England. He's the best bowler in England. Yeah. He's probably ahead of Anderson at the moment for best bowler in England. Mm. But it's, but then I suppose everyone said that, you know, for that test match specifically where they picked Wooden Arch and it was like, this is, this is for the Gabber in 18 months time. And everyone was like, nah, fuck that. But maybe that thinking is wrong too, because like what, what, I mean, I know there's upside to like maybe root captaining those guys and working out the different rhythms of the game. If Wooden Arch play, I know we've sort of gone over this. Like, I think the great thing the Australian team did was like they literally had like a, a paradigm shift from incumbency to horses for courses. And mm-hmm. England is still obviously struggling with that a little bit. It's just like, you know, you've got to deal with the egos of getting rid of Broad and Anderson or whatever. You've got to deal with the idea of, of, of incumbency, um, you know. But let's see, maybe, they, maybe Archer and Wood will just start in Australia and it's as simple as that. Maybe. It's just like Australia did that. First time I noticed it was when they picked – straight picked Chris Rogers in the 2013 mm. Ashes maybe because he had such a great county record and he mm. did really well for Australia for the period of time that he was playing for Australia. And then they picked like Moses Enriques to go and play in the subcontinent mm. and he was kind of picked out of nowhere but he was Australia's best player. And, mm. and then Australia picked Siddle in yeah. the Ashes. Well, that was the face, big one, ahead, ahead of Stark. Stark yeah, yeah, like oh, oh, let's play the Dibley Dobler over the Rockstar mm. because horses for courses. They did the same thing in 2017 in India as well, leaving a lot more balls, more spinners, mm-hmm. playing a different, played okay. played different way. Yeah, all that okay, sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, So mm. I, I, w- I was surprised that Australia have been kind of leading the way in terms of mm. 
picking the right team for the right environment and mm. getting away from the dogma of like, well, I'm the best player, so I've got to keep my shirt. Mm. Sounds like England have got that issue and just got to get the sense with Broad and Anderson like they might have too much power. You know what I mean? The fact that you can Player just come, power, out, yeah. Yeah, come out in public and just be like, batter's got to score more runs, fuck that. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how your teammates are meant to feel about that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, especially Joe Root, who's literally struggled for probably three years. What's he averaging yeah. less than 40 last yeah. three or four years? It's remarkable. And it's mm. like, I'm just, I mean, we were talking about this before, mate, but like, I, I just can't see how England win a game in Australia. Like, like, mm. like all of their bats are nicking off, aren't they? All of mm. them are. And like, who are the, so who can they pick? Who can they pick to score runs? I'm not sure the guys who are scoring runs in county championship at the moment, but you know, it just hasn't worked out for guys like Bairstow or Root in Australia. Or I mean, they tried Carberry up in the batting. I can just see Rory Burns just getting bumped out. Zach Crawley front dogging. It's going to nick. It's all nicky. Ollie Pope, though, fuck, I hope Ollie Pope scores some yeah. runs. Hasn't scored any runs yet in his career, really, but, you know. It's just it's about Archer taking the new ball and winning those opening exchanges. Archer is like 35 wickets in Australia. Ben Stokes being the king. I mean, yeah. Stokes, Archer, Root, I think, are the three keys for them. So Australia and uh, in England are about to play uh, a little six-match series, three T20s, Pez, and they're going to play three ODIs between uh, Southampton and Manchester, of course. Australia over there at the moment. There was a clip went round, which everyone sent to us eight million times, of the boys – and we'll call them the boys. Yeah. Uh, Zampa, Stoinis, Mitch Marsh. Um, good to see Mitch Marsh get a game, actually. Um, you know, just, just dancing in the gym. Just dancing in the gym. And it's, yeah, it's like it, waves of um, reaction, especially people running, oh, the show writes itself this week. I thought it was really funny. Like uh, everyone gets really giddy these days, like at the sight of men just making movements we don't normally associate with like macho Australian cricketers. Mm. But I think it makes people happy. It'd be like, oh, great, these blokes been a little bit different, being themselves a little bit. You know, here are three blokes, you know, performing some sort of ritualistic dance, you know, more associated <laughs> with nightclubs. Mm-hmm. Mitch Marsh looked like he was, you know, at an evening festival set, you know, like sun setting, visor on, speed mm. dealer, sunnies mm. on. Mm-hmm. Colourful, billowing, button-up shirt, short sleeve, mm. you know. Uh, he just needed to clench the jaw and roll the eyes back and he would have done that perfectly. <laughs> but just friends enjoying themselves, you know, like really good to see. And uh, mm. we think it's, a, you know, we think we've got something to say here. Like, you know, it's very encouraging signs for the rare movement, you know, mm. across Australian sport. And, you know, eagle-eyed viewers will have noticed on our podcast art this week, like a little logo down the bottom left saying Rare Sports and we're pretty excited to let you know that, you know, he goes and I have started a little digital brand that we're calling Rare Sports. Um, TGC is going to call Rare Sports home and um, without going too much into it, we're going to add to the stable uh, and have some pretty exciting announcements in the next couple of weeks. And that first announcement will be that we'll be broadcasting the test matches this summer, Pez, um, because Channel 7, <laughs> who we're contracted to, apparently don't want it. They don't want it. And the CEO has come out and said, we might as well fucking broadcast great cricket. Well, what's wrong with great cricket? Yeah, I was going to say. Like, Fair uh, bit's wrong with great cricket, which is why we've made a career. But, yeah. Well, he said, yeah, like he said, like James Warburton. Yes. Uh, who's, you know, chief of a organisation we're contracted to as well. Hmm. Um, JW, we call it. We're not compromised in any way with this conversation. But, um yeah, he said he'd, they'd send a few cameras down and broadcast great cricket for free or worse that effect. And, you know, like many thought he was joking, but um, we've obviously sent a resume in and created a pitch deck mm-hmm. um, to Channel 7 for the board just to explain why there is more drama in grade cricket mm-hmm. than professional cricket. We haven't he- uh, yet heard back. Still waiting the reply. So Chris Barrett wrote an article in the SMH uh, and one of the paragraphs in said article was, Cricket Australia's high-stakes battle with its free-to-wear television partner has taken another twist with Seven West Media believing the game's governing body has nullified their $450 million broadcast deal by making a force majeure claim on the upcoming season 
Seven have briefed a QC who helped um, a TV deal between ASIC and, and Tennis Australia last year. Um, but uh, essentially, like what Channel Seven are saying is that, like, well, none of the good players are going to be playing. There's going to be more club cricketers playing in the big bash, which is the big value uh, for Channel Seven. And um, that's their deal. So they've nullified the contract. So they're kind of saying, like, well, we're not going to broadcast the games. Mm. Bit of trouble, bit concerning. Well, yeah, we can only, you know, speak on behalf of the punters here. And uh, just say we not are, punter Ricky Ponting. Our no, class, no, 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 no. That's yeah. right. I've got in case people are mixing that up. Some people do. Uh, yeah. You know, well, obviously people just want to see cricket on free to air TV. So let's hope it happens. Well, it's amazing as well because uh, England just played their, their, that second T20 against Pakistan was on BBC. First yeah. time in 21 years the BBC have played uh, free to uh, cricket live. Live and free to air TV, 21 years. It's amazing. So it's kind of like, it's amazing. We sort of take it for granted a little bit in Australia. That that's part of the reason why it's the national game in the country because it is just available and it's not behind, you know, paywalls. Um, Pez, we've got a couple of great chats coming up. We do. Ha- to Harry Conway and Sam Billings. Which one are we going to hear first? Sam Billings. Billings. Look at Sam Billings. They're good chats. Hope you enjoy them. Hello. Hello. My goodness. Lily really did ask for that, and that's really very silly. And we very nearly had ourselves a fight on the ground. In return for speaking to me on a handful of occasions, he offered me $6,000, which I accepted. I walked up to him and I said, uh, how are you bowling your underarms? I said, I don't know. He said, well, you're just about to find out, aren't you? He gave me $5,000 and in return he spoke to me on several occasions for pretty routine questions like what the pitch was like, what the weather conditions were. Right, he goes, uh, he's a short-form specialist with long-form ambitions. I've read that actually online. Nice. Um, he's uh, he's played for Kent since he was eight years old. He has, these are my words now, he has boyish good looks with a strong <laughs> jawline and rapid bat speed. He's building a name for himself with England, but like any English player worth their soul, he's tasted the rough and tumble of Sydney grade cricket. Uh, and, yeah, look, let's just face it, it's a great rig. Uh, we're talking well, it's today. a great salad. It's right? a great rig. It's a great salad. Mm. Uh, Sam Billings, <laughs> welcome to the Grade Cricketer Podcast. <laughs> Thanks, lads. Thanks for having me. I'm honoured. I'm absolutely honoured and uh, always love a good word about the salad because uh, I take care of it. So thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh, no worries. Is that, is that, that blonde's natural? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Bit of, bit of lemon juice in the Sydney sun. <laughs> And away you go. <laughs> um, oh, um, you're actually like, you're currently with the England team at the moment. You've just completed some media interviews. I'll say you said via text, maybe to just to hold us up. But um, <laughs> you know, where does the great where, where does the great cricketer sit in the pantheon of annoying media obligations for you? No, it's one of the greats. A bit of a surprise. Um, couldn't couldn't be too overly keen and respond to you guys straight away. Could you? Well, could I? So um, yeah, yeah let you wait. Years, actually. Uh, but no, modest. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I'm, uh, I'm honoured. Like I said, I'm honoured to be on it. That's... Bilbo, and I will call you Bilbo as well without without invitation. Um, but I just uh, just ready up on you this this evening, and you're sort of one of these guys. Just one of these guys is naturally good at everything. You turn your hand to mm. turn down a Tottenham trial to play some county cricket. Uh, excellent squash player, probably probably scratch golfer. Uh, rackets, you yeah, know, rackets. bit a bit, bit of rugby. Like like, is there anything you're bad at? What are you bad at? No music. I'm honking at anything to do with music. So, uh, 
Yeah, absolutely terrible. So, yeah, sport, that's where I found my niche and uh, I just went with it, to be fair. Yeah. Big niche. I couldn't believe, like, we always try, you know, any Englishman worth their salt will have spent some time playing Sydney test cricket, as we call it, Sam, insecurely. So um, I couldn't believe my eyes went, like, when I read that you, like a man of quite, you know, re- respectable gentry, uh, as far as I understand, found themselves playing for Penrith. Uh, in 2013, like, like what wonderful people at Penrith. I should let's just get that right. Beautiful people, great, great club. Um, you've been given a bum steer there, though. Surely, like, is it a Trevor Bayless thing? Like, who fucked that up? Like, <laughs> how, have you, how have you ended up at Penrith? Well, yeah, someone said I was playing in Sydney, and then all of a sudden, uh, it's about an hour and a half west. Um, but no, you're spot on. They were unbelievable, and that was the best thing I've ever done for my cricket, if I'm honest. Um, Penrith looked after me fantastically but um, yeah it was a bit bit different to the eastern suburbs and uh, where J-Roy found himself mm. strutting around mm. on Coogee Beach but mm. um, yeah I was no I was happy a farmer farming stock so I was happy out there <laughs> and, I mean I want, can we drill into this like was there a moment where you did get to the club and you went, "What the fuck is this? Like, like this is not, this is not like it is Sydney. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong, but it's not, yeah. it's not coastal. It's Half not the, po- it's not the postcard Sydney. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. was there a moment where you're like, "What, what's doing?" There are no here? harbour views. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, especially first couple of weeks. I was, um, I was put up in a pretty kind of dodgy outhouse. Um, I think it was kind of a late late um organized kind of thing but um i didn't have an oven it was it was pretty ropey so i did think for the first couple of weeks and then luckily i got some runs in the first game actually funnily enough against j-roy and mm. the eastern suburbs who just tore into me and gave me all all the chat as per usual but um got 60 i won them the game and i turned around and said lads is there any chance i could um sort something else out here but before that I thought <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. can I can I sort something but I thought I've got a few runs so I, um, I could actually have a word but before that I just want to keep my head down and do the right thing you see yeah. what, what was it uh, in all seriousness about playing in Penrith or playing in Sydney that was um, really helpful for your career I mean like there's always we always joke about the stereotypes of it being, being rough and tumble in Sydney cricket and uh, the abuse and the sledging and it's you know much harsher climate than it would be for you know what English people are normally used to. But it was was that your experience, or what, what was it that made it uh, so meaningful? Yeah, just getting champed every single week <laughs> relentlessly. <laughs> um, so it was just uh, it was unbelievable because you you have to just earn the respect of your fellow clubmen, but also around the circuit as well. Um, I think every Sydney grade cricketer thinks they could play first-class cricket over in England and said county cricket is rubbish. So we've all heard that before. But um, it was just it was great fun. It just teaches you to grow up as well as a young kind of 21-year-old. Um, you think you're better than you are and you kind of brought, brought down to earth pretty quickly. So I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Made some friends for life. And um, yeah, facing Josh Layla and Pat Cummins in the next. Uh, every Tuesday and Thursday when the club captain's telling telling them to bowl at your head every other ball. So mm. that was interesting. But um, no, it was a great experience and I loved every minute of it. Because your, your good mate, uh, and he's your mate, uh, Joe Denley, um, also played. He had a sit down in Sydney as well, didn't he? And he, there was a famous... A couple of years. A couple of years. There was a famous stitch-up that went round. It was reported in a newspaper I can't name. <laughs> but he mentioned that uh, <laughs> you had a bad sunburn posting a photo of just some random bloke on the internet with a horrific oh, sunburn. Oh, that's shocking. And then this newspaper just picked it up and goes, and there was like a full headline, 
you know, building shocking sunburn. It's just the wrong bloke, not even the right bloke. <laughs> it was just a completely random bloke who got a picture off the internet of. It was shocking. Um, oh, yeah, it was just really, really unenjoyable that. I got some bad press for a while. So, no, I don't. <laughs> we'll move forward to the England stuff now, Sam. You're part of an ODI setup that's, you know, seems to be destroying all comers at present, so much so that Tom Banton was moved to say that it's the hardest team to break into in world sport. Like, I just wanted to know if anyone challenged that privately with Tom. Like, I, I mean, personally, I think the US women's <laughs> gymnastics unit's pretty tough to get into. Rackets. Your, your rackets, rackets yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, rackets were pretty tough as well. Yeah. Penrith third, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, Penrith's uh, second team. I mean, they were they were flag champions last year. So, yeah, I don't know what he's on about, if I'm honest. Um, no, I'll have a quiet word with the youngster, you know what I mean? He's, he's a 21-year-old. Maybe he needs a bit of Sydney grade cricket, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that I saw that you, earlier, I was in the last year, I think you announced that you turned down, that you were going to, uh, you removed yourself from the IPL auction after a couple of years, obviously playing under Dhoni uh, at CSK there, got yourself a winner's medal in 2018, but you mm. didn't want to play this year out of franchise cricket. So I just want to know what it's like to have too much money. <laughs> oh, you're not the first person to say that. He's got a level. He's got a level. What's going on? Ask uh, Ask Jimmy Faulkner that story. That was quite funny, actually. Well, no, okay, I'll I'll pick that up. Actually, (laughs) I I was going to ask if it's true or false. This did get said to me. Um, I could get this wrong, but this is the way it was relayed to me. You're playing for the Sixers against whichever team James Faulkner's playing for. You're at the non-strikers. Kent, it was actually Kent. He was playing for Langston. Okay, okay. All right, this is how these these things work. Uh, He gets rid of the striker, turns around and says to you, that's why they pay me the big bucks. At that moment, a helicopter flies overhead and you reply, that's my dad coming to watch me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolute tax on that, but there's there's some truth to that story. (laughs) That's, that's, that's amazing. What do you want to say to that? Not the helicopter bit. Not the helicopter bit. Well, speaking oh. of helicopters, I want to ask you, Bilbo, like, you know, when, when you play with MS, I was obviously, you know, you could pick his brain and, and, you know, great player and all that kind of stuff, but I don't really care about that. I mean, like, what do you, what do you talk to, what do you talk to MS Donny about, the absolute rock star that is MS Donny? Is he interested in, you know, Brexit, world affairs, coronavirus origins, or is he just like, no, this is how you hit the fucking helicopter shot? Yeah. How, how, how you look after your salad. That's yeah, what he wanted yeah, to do, though. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> um, no, it was it was unbelievable. He he was a fellow Man United fan as well, so we just used to watch uh, the football. And um, yeah, he's just very relaxed and chilled out. So um, amazing captain, amazing player, and uh, someone I learned a hell of a lot off, especially mm. in the role I'm I'm trying to play. I'm not saying I'm anywhere close to MS Dhoni, but there's mm. definitely things I've learned off him. Yeah, sure. Uh, Sam, oh, sorry, I was just distracted. I was thinking about Donny Vanderbeek, you know, where you want to play him. But, um, yeah. but um, <laughs> I just, I just, just one that's come out in the last couple of days, just like in response to concerns over his and, and Jimmy Anderson's perceived lack of pace in Australia, Stuart Broad yesterday said that, you know, it's an irrelevant conversation if you're going to be bowled out for over 200, uh, for under 200. So I, I don't want to go into like the symbiosis of batting and bowling and the impacts of, of that and so on. Also, you might be on that tour, but like, so I want to know, like in the social hierarchy of England cricket, like how high do Broad and Anderson sit compared to their teammates and just how afraid of them are you? 
um, thankfully, the red ball and white ball group are pretty segregated. So, uh, so yeah, I can dodge that question nicely. <laughs> what's the what's the what's the deal with all the great like English wicketkeeper batsmen at the moment? There's obviously there's Billings, Bairstow, Butler, Folks, Ollie Pope, Rory Burns. Like what's like like in Australia when Warren was going around, everyone was like, in 15 years' time, there's going to be leg spinners coming out of the ears, you know. Yeah. And it's like so I'm guessing like was everyone's idol just Alex Stewart, <laughs> Darren Jones? Yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those Puma gloves, him and Gilchrist. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, we're we're lucky. We're very very lucky at the moment, and Banton obviously keeps as well. So of course, yeah. we could field a team of a team of wiki keepers, which uh, would be pretty handy at the moment. It's amazing, so, yeah. Um, no, it's, I don't I don't really know. It's yeah. just um, everyone's come along at the right right time, and mm. um, well, wrong time for most of us because there's only one keeper. So, uh, mm. so yeah. Got to well, keep trudging away. Well, yeah, I guess that's probably the answer to my question as well. Like, what's the next step for you? Is a, you've you've got a solid footing in the ODI, the short form set up at the moment. I know you've said you want to play red ball stuff as well. How, how do you sort of blast through the other competitors and get yourself to the top, other than just scoring you know loads of runs against Australia coming up? Yeah, I think it's just for me it's being as flexible as I can and. Um, adaptable in any situation really so uh, at the moment I'm finding myself kind of in the five six seven role to try and finish games off something that I'm uh, pretty relaxed doing and, and have done for for Kent for a long time so um, it's just about taking opportunities uh, there's so much competition certainly in the white ball stuff at the moment that um, you've just got to get your head down and uh, like I said just take it when it comes and um, for me, I've been injured for quite a while. Well, last year, so mm. it's um, yeah, it's just not not taking it too seriously and just enjoying back playing again. Certainly mm. in the international seat, so uh, especially against you guys coming up, mm. um, should be another great series. Mm. Do you feel like when you've had your opportunities, Sam, like that? I always feel like when you come into the crease, there's either like six overs left or there's like 15 to win. Like even the other night against Pakistan, you, you had, there was like, you scored 10 and then, you know, one run to win, just not one to point. And it's just feel like, I've never felt like, <laughs> like, how, like, how many times do you feel like you've actually had an opportunity to properly build an innings? Or I know the one day game's hard and, you know, get the opportunity to bat 50 overs, you know, you know, build momentum in an innings. But I feel like when the times you have played for England, you haven't had like a real, you haven't had like 40 overs to bat or 30 overs to bat to really, you know, make a score. Yeah, I think, like I said, I'm, I'm not kind of making excuses. Sure. There's been times where I haven't um, taken opportunity, but uh, there's been other times. I think the Ireland series just gone. It was the first time I played consecutive ODIs in like three years. Right. It was like kind of one game here or there and uh, pretty sporadic. So um, just for me, it's um, it's nice to just get a run of games and, um, and just play and like I said, when I've had time to bat, I had time to bat in, in the West Indies and we're four down for not many and managed to get a score there. So that's, it's just being adaptable. And like I said, when the opportunity comes, we'll just take it and um, yeah, do the best I can. Because you've been in the setup for about four or five years, haven't you? You've always been really close. And then like last year that during the World Cup, that was going to be, you, you were set to replace Alex Hales, I think it was. Um, and then you dislocated your shoulder, didn't you, for Kent? And it's just like, uh, like lending the grey cricket lens to that thing of just like, you know, as much as you want your team to win, you want to make, make finals and you want, the, you want your club to do well. And this club is interested in England during the World mm. Cup is what I'm saying. Mm. But like, you know, that it must have been, it must have been sort of bittersweet, I suppose, in terms of like really happy for the guys that you know well winning the World Cup, but also like that could have so easily been you, you know? 
yeah, 100%. But at the end of the day, I know that I gave myself the best chance um, of being in that in that squad and um, things happen that are out of your control. So um, mm. it, it was in a weird kind of way, it was a really positive thing that happened. Uh, you learn a lot about yourself, certainly when, um, when you get injured and uh, you don't take things for granted, certainly when you come back. So um, my captaincy as well has definitely helped uh, looking after other people and um, injuries are just terrible and it, it really does take its toll. So mm. kind of that duty of care as well has, has really helped me gain a different perspective. But mm. um, yeah, hopefully I don't get injured again. And like I said, it will be a really positive thing for my cricket and uh, you kind of just crack on and certainly bad things happen. And um, yeah, like I said, you move on. I saw that um, the match... What day is that? Yesterday, the match was on. Um, the first time the BBC yeah. had played live cricket for 21 years. And so I wonder, <clears throat> that must have been pretty special to be part of. And do you think it was quite a similar feeling around the country when Owen Morgan went past 50 as it was when, you know, Kieran Trippier bent one in top corner in the semi final of the World Cup? <laughs> Same scenes, you reckon? Yeah, similar, similar kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. everyone. Uh, yeah, in Trafalgar Square, just chucking all over each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too easy. Um, <laughs> obviously, socially distant at this point. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 He said that. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, Sam, well, I, I, you know, I guess we wish you all the best uh, against Australia yeah, coming up. I guess. Um, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, two clubs, just two, cr- two great clubs playing against each other. I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show as well. You did, definitely didn't need to do that in any way, but uh, very much, um, yeah, grateful for you coming on and uh, all the best for the series and beyond. Cheers, boys. Love your work. Go on. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Okay, here goes. Uh, We've got with us Pat Cummins' former housemate. (laughs) He's, he's self-described as a private school kid from Warunga, while Tom Decent in the Sydney Morning Herald last year coined him rare personified. Uh, as New South Wales coach Trevor Bayliss once bussed him to the 2014 Shield final for morale purposes only, and six years later he's New South Wales <laughs> Sheffield Shield Player of the Year uh, in a team that won the comp. Um, I know I regularly say this, but this guy truly is the most recommended guest, uh, guest from his colleagues. I'm talking about Harry Conway. Harry, a pleasure to have you finally on The Great Cricketer. No, thanks, boys. What an intro. Thank you so much. Welcome. Um, so many places to start here, Harry. Uh, like before we get into the important stuff, like the politics behind your move from NDs to Easts. Um, like, you know, what, what is it about Harry Conway that makes him so recommended a guest on this show? Like, is it true you've deliberately turned down a few opportunities to get on this show just to create like the optimal <laughs> hype and demand? Mm-hmm. Well, it, 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 it's funny you say that. I, I, it, it, as you mentioned in the uh, intro. Um, I'm such a fish out of water in the fact that I, you know, I've got such a good education. Um, so I'm, mm. I've, I've started so far ahead of all of these guys who are like, he's the weird one. Where it's like, well, I don't really. It's sort of like, am I? Um, yeah. No, but I, I, I live with Camo. Sort of my first claim to fame to try and get my name out there at training. Um, that didn't work. I got overshadowed a fair bit. Yeah. Um, and I think my career sort of soared once I'd left his place. Um, 
Yeah, but I think mainly the private school thing, to be honest. Mm. Fair enough. And no one does talk about the oppression of the white private school boy. How, yeah, how you right. and I went to the same school, so I'm looking forward to um, updating Wikipedia to, to the most famous Knox alumni. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was told, I was informed this morning, actually, that you actually spent most of year 12 playing in the twos. Is that right? I, I did, mate. I, yeah, lots of controversy. Um, I I played a little bit in year ten, and then all of year twelve. Uh, sorry, year eleven, and then in year twelve, um, yeah, a few things got to my head. Um, a lot of carry on, and uh, mate, morale in that in that side was an all time low. I was a bit of a cancer in that side, um, to be honest, and so I was dropped. Um, and had to have a good hard look in the mirror. There was you know, a big controversy around selections and stuff like that. Didn't make any of the CAS teams. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I don't like bringing it up, but, um, no, I appreciate you guys doing that today. That's good. Quite <laughs> uh, <really> <laughs> a start. Well, anyway, you went on to play Australia 19s, yeah. uh, You were, and then you were contracted and earmarked early. Um, now, you, your New South Wales teammate, Adam Zampa, said he hated it. What's your relationship to grade cricket? <laughs> Adam Zampa, oh, God, he, he's, he's rare. Um, but my, mine's a great cricket. Endies were, uh, like, I still say to this day, my, my best year of cricket, like the most enjoyable year of cricket that I had was whilst I was at school, but actually playing um, Green Shield cricket for Endies. Um, had such a, an, an interesting group of people come together, um, you know, in that month or two that you have, you know, you play Green Shield. Um, and we got to the semis. I'll never forget it. Um, we played out at Rosedale in the semis. And I honestly, I met so many different guys from, um, yeah, umpteen uh, parts of Sydney. Uh, and as I say, because I was such a sheltered, um, sheltered kid from Runga, I absolutely loved it. And we ended up sort of branching out and, um, you know, I'm still connected to a few of those guys, but, you know, as, as you do, you know, throughout great cricket, you see them playing for different teams and whatnot. And, um, you know, it's quite funny, but they, they were still, to this day, my best year of cricket, I reckon. I want to ask about changing teams because, like, once, you know, they're contracted with a state, like, we often see players move from their inland clubs, like, you know, NDs or even further out, like, you know, Hawkesbury, et cetera, to, the, to coastal surrounds. And it was no different from you. Uh, for you, it was like a rite of passage. I okay, got a state contract. Now I'll go play for Easts by the Beach. Bondi, yeah. Yeah. Like, can you take us into the bowels of, like, negotiating a change of club as a state player? Like, we've heard stories of demands for $3,000 a game from others and a, le- a lease on a Mercedes and, and, and a clause that they look like they're interested. Like, is this par for the course once you get that state call up? I, I it, it, it sort of was. I, I was. I created a record in New South Wales of being the most, um, or like the rookie for the longest time, which is a really bad record to have. Like you're supposed to do two or three years, sort of learn the game, um, you know, listen to people, and then upgrade. Whereas I took it. I sort of wanted a, a longer internship, if you like, and so I went the fourth year. Um, Van, Van Wilder broke the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Van Wilder, and then it was sort of like, okay, um, you know, the performance is really inconsistent. I'll blame it on my great club of all people. Um, <laughs> so, it, well, yeah, it's just like, okay, so you've not listened, you've not done this, like you've lived with Pat so you, and you've learnt nothing. So it's the great club that you're at fault. Um, yeah. And it was like, yeah, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, Tara's pretty flat on a bowler. It's like, oh, no, I heard a few whispers that a few guys were leaving. So I was like, you know what? It's just the easy move. Um, yeah. The reason I chose East is because my manager, this is no conflict of interest, I guess. My manager is the vice president of me. So he, he naturally was like, look, mate, we need to get you moving. Yeah. Why don't you come to, why don't you come to Bondi? And I was yeah. like, well, what's the relationship there? It's like, well, I'm VP of East. 
end. Never knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that conversation happening in Ravisi's at the time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, I, I bloody love Ravisi's, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, bet yeah. you do. <laughs> oh, bucket list, down a bucket list, yeah. Uh, Harry, because you... Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Go on. Yeah, go for it. I was going to say, yeah, because you, I was reading about you this morning. And, uh, both your parents are Kiwis, and your dad played uh, high level footy for Canterbury, I think it was. And so you've kind of got the option as well for for playing for New Zealand if you want to go down the Will Somerville route, who also played at East, didn't he? He played at East as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I did. I, the last couple of years, I've honestly, as my performance has improved, I guess I actually I thought long and hard about it. Um, absolutely love New Zealand as a place. All my family live there, as you said, and. Um, uh, it was just sort of like it was a it was a really tough decision, I'll be honest. But um, no, I ended up doing quite well last year, and um, you know I think I'm I've, I found a home here uh, at, at New South Wales. So um, yeah, I, I, I honestly thought about it long and hard. I obviously still want to play Test cricket, but um, you know I'm, I'm going to try and go the hard route out of the two, I guess, or the harder. Mm. Well, you've been doing really well uh, for yeah, New South Wales, Harry. Um, you were New South Wales. You know, Shield Player of the Year um, with the year you guys won the comp. Uh, the state has had been in the wilderness for a little while in terms of competition wins. You know, like away from its identity as the assumed alphas of the state competition. Like, is it fair to say that under the, you know, under your physical, moral, and spiritual leadership, um, that the old New South Wales is back? And and as Zorba did say on our paywall interview recently, that New South Wales just win shit. <laughs> mate, mate, a hundred percent. And and it's quite funny. On the weekend, we were in. Uh, we were incognito. We were doing a couple of trial games at uh, Coffs Harbour, and Chris Tremaine's actually returned. Hopefully, you get him on the podcast. He is an absolute ripper. So he went to Victoria, came back, and he stood up in front of the group, and he said those words quite literally in front of the head selector and the head coach. He's like, I will be in this team for as long as we win shit. And basically, my involvement in this team will only be based on the fact that we win shit. And I was like, I think he's, I think he's signed. Like, we can't have signed this guy for six months. Like, if we don't win the first few games, Trent, like, I, I think we're still going to ask you to play, man. <laughs> like, I, you want you, you, you want a lot for Victoria, mate. You, you want a lot, but like, it's it, it's a it, it, it was such an alpha uh, alpha move. Like, day one back in the New South Wales sheds, it's like, boys, you turned your back on me, but I'm going to come back and win shit for you. It's like, whoa, okay, that's aggressive, man. <laughs> speaking, I mean, speaking of alpha moves, because we saw when the the New South Wales were awarded the Sheffield Shield and the and the the sort of um the photo shoot that happened oh, afterwards. Yeah. You would have been part of that. You would have been nice to, to get around, you know, Smudge and Dave Warner and Pat Cummins and Josh Hayeswood <laughs> who were on the top tier of the ladies yeah, receiving the award, uh, which Steve Smith posted about uh, cutting off the the rest of the plebs in the bottom tier. <laughs> yeah. Oh mate, don't worry, I was I was in like the far left corner <laughs> and the funny thing about that on the day, it was like me and Sock were just, you know, we're sort of hiding out bottom left and they just kept like Sock had just been told that he was you know, listed or we were parting ways, and um, Sock just kept on get being moved around by the cameraman like a pawn. It was like it was it was one of the biggest alpha moves by Getty Images I've ever seen or heard. Of. <laughs> Notoriously <laughs> like, man, alpha, kick, yeah. Kick while he's down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty uncertain times at the moment, isn't it? Like like when the shield's going to be played, where it's going to be played, what's going to happen with the big bash? I mean, how do you how do you feel? Like how do you process that going into a season when you don't know where you're going to be playing, how you're going to be playing, how many games, all that kind of stuff. Mate, it's it's it, it's a funny one, and I can give you some some hot goss off the press. I, we sort of we sort of as of last week, we've only found out like really what's going to happen. Well, I think we're going to be bubbled down in Adelaide for some shield cricket. No one does. Okay. Um, and then, mate, it's quite funny. My manager actually called me and was like, "Mate, you might as well pack for five months because um, you know if you don't want to double quarantine, uh, like you better stay down there because I'm a I'm an Adelaide striker. Yeah. So, um, bit of a weird one this year, but. 
mate, it's quite funny. Like last few weeks, I've, I've actually battled a little bit just not knowing anything and sort of guessing as to, you know, dates and stuff. I like planning stuff out. Yeah. Um, but, mate, what Jakey's done, um, which is ideal, is he's organised a couple of trial games in the next two weeks out at Ray B Oval, mate. So I'm going to catch a, 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 a red eye tonight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next to the next row. Yeah. Good. It's actually nice prep for Adelaide <laughs> yeah. as well. Quite dry weather. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a stitch up. Yeah. Mm. Just exactly what you want to do as New South Wales coach when Trav- Trevor Bayliss is back in town perhaps wanting a job. He says, oh, yeah. why don't we go and play out at Raby, boys? <laughs> he does not want the job. <laughs> he doesn't want it, yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Well, um, we're talking about the Sheds before. Like In an interview last year, it was written that you'd promoted yourself as one of the larrikins of the group at New South Wales. So, like, there'll be a lot of young people and old people listening to the show, like, desperate to know, like, how to make such a bold move, like, in a change room. So... For the benefit of the listeners, like what are the steps you need to take to acquire the social capital to make that sort of play? Like, is it a matter of targeting the kingpin? Like, did you just look at Doug Bollinger and just say, listen, I'm going for you, I'm going to neg you, uh, and going from there? 100%. I was, I was, you know, I modeled my game off stock, you know, Dougie, all the guys that obviously played really well. But first and foremost, mate, they're in the team to make people laugh. Like, it, they're there to be funny more than anything. So I was like, you know, I can do a few impersonations here. Um, you know, get the try and get the selectors like looking at other things as part of my game because at the moment my bowling is just not going to get me into this side. We had like Cobes, Doug, Josh Hazelwood. It's like, oh come on! But this guy's really good at a Bane impersonation, or he does a few dark night <laughs> things. Like maybe maybe we look at Conway. He can do the EPL. He can do Bumble. It's like, and then mate, out of nowhere, at, after that game we won in 2012. I think it was 11 or 12. Cobes was like, like this guy, this guy can't bowl, but he's really funny. And, and Bayless was like, yeah, you know what? Like, like, why don't we get him in here? And it was, mate, I'll never forget it. It was one of the great nights. Um, and then, mate, honestly, the sad part about it is my bowling, yeah, it still, oh, it still took me a few years to get it. I was like, fuck, the jokes aren't working. Like, mm. this is bullshit. Mm. On that, um, on that trip you're talking about, I was reading in Tom Deason's article in the mm. SMH. He was saying that um, Steve Smith got you to do um, Heath Ledger's Joker, and I wonder if that was like, um, if it was just wanted to be entertained, or if that was research for Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I know. It's, uh, yeah, it's a weird one. Um, yeah. I think I, I used to do the, I used to do the Heath. Um, I did the I'm Gotham's reckoning. I, I could do Bruce Heath. I could do a little one of Bane. Mate, I, I absolutely, I was obsessed <laughs> with that movie and. I think it's the only one that Smudger watched. Smudger, Smudger loves watching movies. Um, and so any of the characters, like he giggled at the characters. He didn't really watch EPL, so he's like, oh, who's Clive Tilsley? Like, who's mm-hmm. Alan Tyler? Like, who are these guys? Mm-hmm. Um, are you right? Like, who, who, whoever he wanted, he got. Like, that's, that's his change room. Yeah. Like, I know everyone gets you to do impressions, uh, Harry, and, like, I'm not going to just say, oh, can you just give us a bumble? But, mm-hmm. I, I, like, we've actually not set this up in any way genuinely. I'm I was wondering if we could do a spin on it. Like, can you give us one of your one of your best characters, but can you get them telling you, Harry Conway, that you're not going to play for New South Wales because the test players are back? <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, hang on. I honestly um, haven't set it up. Like, can yeah. you, like you're, So you're maybe Bumble or Bane telling Harry Conway, oh, Hazelwood's back, you're out, even though you're Shield Player of the Year. Yeah. Welcome back to St. James's Park. It is New South Wales 5165. Big news today, it's top fan Harry Conway being negated by the selectors. A car change being uh, marketed in the media. However, Hazelwood, Stark and Commons are back up front and the front three from New South Wales is taking their places. He's back in the bib. It's your man, Harry Conway. (laughs) 
Oh, get him on the bus. Get, get him down to Canberra. Get him down to Canberra. I can see it. Now. I can see it. Twenty twelve. I'm there. Get it. Uh, not, not bad. Um, oh. Harry, want to know? Um, under 19s World Cup. Um, you and uh, yeah. I imagine you and Greg Chappell seems like very similar personalities. Um, quite bubbly, charismatic. <laughs> You know, both done a lot for the game in the country. You know, what was what was that like playing under Greg? Mate, you know what? I, I actually loved it. He, I found him really dry um, and he was, he was very sarcastic, which is sort of my type of humour. When, when, I, when I was, you know, up at the academy and stuff, when I saw him, like, you know, barefoot doing the, the laps, like in the floppy hat and the shorts, I was like, oh, this is, this, is, like, this is rare. Like, this is what I'm all about. This is why I'm at this academy for four months. Um, and I actually got along with him really well, but in the, um, like in the, in the actual world cup and stuff, he, like he, he, he was a selector. So he didn't actually, he was, he was a hard guy to get close to. Like, so yeah. I actually take offense or I'm insulted by the fact that you say that I'm similar to him. Um, I, I, I you know, I, I smile as well. So it's like, it's a, it's a hard <laughs> one to compare. <laughs> that was an origin point. Like, I, I, you know what? I, I can't stitch him up. I thought he was really good. He's very dry though. Um, and I guess I was in that mould of like 17, 18, 19. So I, I was every chance that he was going to pick me in a test match back then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And obviously in that, obviously in that, yeah, you sort of played under 19 World Cups from Knox 2. So you obviously must have taken a stack load of wickets in that school team. But, um, <laughs> <clears throat> but when you, when you, you got, you took, you took a hat trick H in, uh, against the Paul, wasn't it? And there was this, mm. there was this, there's commentary there of like, you've taken a third wicket, you've, you've bowled the third Nepalese bloke in a row and you've just run down the wicket screaming, he's done it, he's done it. <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> I'm wrong. Like, it seems like you're a leading proponent of in, in the rise of rare culture within Australian cricket. Um, you're, you know, you're expressive. Yeah. You play with colour. You've got charisma. It's almost as though you're, you're not an automaton robot programmed only to make the arm and leg movements conducive to hitting the off bail. Um, then having beers. <laughs> I just want to like, uh, like, given you're on the inside, I just want to ask like, how much bemusement do you observe among previous generations at rare behaviour? Like, you know, do they look? Uh, do, you know, do the golden generation look at you out the corner of their eyes? Um, never giving you the fullness of their body language, just radiating like passive aggression uh, at the idea of someone's being weird, you know, like, or they're just jealous, like that you're prepared to be yourself. Like, um, what, what, what's been your experience of that? It, it, it's really funny, and it's 
it's something I actually get asked quite a bit. It's something that I've cultivated over the years, but to be honest with you, I've actually had to tone it down a fair bit because it's really hard to, it's like, when, when you come into, like when you go into a squad or, you know, you talk, you talk to all these guys now, all these young guys, they're really shy and they're sometimes they're from Western Sydney and it's like they'll let their game do the talking, which is honestly the best way to do it and, and it's completely the opposite of what it is. I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and make as many friends as I can. You know, the social skills that I've built from school, I was sort of like, okay, these guys from all over Sydney, like, they're, they're actually really cool. Um, you know, dropped drop my guard and all that. And they're like, they actually found me quite funny. So I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to run with this. And then a few years down the track, honestly, my cricket wasn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't going to keep me around. So I, I sort of, I took, it sort of had to take a back seat because guys, I, and I think under Trevor Bayless as well, who's quite a serious guy, he's a very good coach, sort of like, you know, the, the, you, you, we can joke and laugh, but like you're not going to be here if you actually can't bowl. So um, I, I went the backwards or the, the the reverse way of doing it. But now I look at the back today and I'm like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily change a heap. Like I, I've still got mates that I've had, you know, I, I consider lifelong friends. Um, and as you said, like it, it's so funny. Your intro was brilliant and it was like so offensive but it was like <laughs> he, he won the Sheffield Shield Player of the Year last year mm. after do you know what I mean like it, mm. it's an incredible journey that's mm. how I look at it mm. anyway yeah mm. yeah you sort of uh, you, you use your character to sort of help get you into the, the mm. game and into the team and you've yeah. actually built, developed a whole hell, hell of a lot of skill mm. since then as well and you, you're at the, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, leading the, uh, the the pack of the team that won the comp. Mm. Um, Same as Bradman actually. Yeah. That's exactly Same how Bradman story. did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. King on the circuit, Bradman, those boats. Um, <laughs> Harry, uh, we, we want to thank you for joining us and giving us a little taste of uh, yeah the rare enigma that is yourself. We're wishing you all the best uh, for the season up ahead. Thanks, lads. Anytime. He goes, Father's Day is just around the corner in Australia, that is. Although, if, if you are a father in the UK, you may as well celebrate I it as well. Get around well, it. I mean, both countries are very tired. I mean, but they're head of state, same head, head of state. state. Same head of state. So people will be thinking about how they might be rewarded, how they might be acknowledged on Father's Day. Do you want to leave a few hints for people? Well, one hint is get some budgie smuggler paraphernalia. Do you want budgies? Do you want a custom design on that budgie? Do you want masks? Well, you can do whatever you, know you want. I mean, I was just thinking because Joe Root obviously had his – so, uh, he had a child recently. I think he had yeah. a girl. Anyway, but you know he's been left out of the T20 squad yes, against yeah. Australia. But he scored two. When he went back to Yorkshire, mm. he got two fifties. You know, so it's kind of like what's going on. With Ed Smith said that you yeah. know there's always a place for Joe in the side. So you know people got to be thinking about Joe Root right now. Why not mm. put Joe Root in a pair of budgies? Exactly. Uh, what else is going on around the world? I mean, queuing on. Yeah, queuing on stuff. You get some Q. I mean, if that's what you believe. But when I thought- you when you came over uh, today, I was reading some queuing on stuff, mm. um, and I think it makes a lot of good points. Yeah. You know, it's 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 based. It's not based on any sort of fact, but they do make some interesting facts. Really good t-shirts as well. Is that like it's a really good merch grift queuing on? Why not? You know, Elon Musk's uh, you know microchipping people's brains. Mm. You know, um, Bill Gates. A picture of Bill Gates as Edward Scissorhands, but with vaccines instead of scissors. Yep, you can be creative. They're just some of the ideas of, just custom, some of the design, ideas. custom designs you can put on your budget. Don't listen to me. Now, today, we can tell you, you will get free shipping if you enter the code CHAMP. That's right. It's a TGC-specific code. Right. Enter the code CHAMP for free shipping if you want that kind of paraphernalia, whether we've suggested it or you just want what's on the website or your own idea for Father's Day or otherwise. BudgieSmugglerUK.com or just BudgieSmuggler.com. Pezzy lad, hashtag AskTGC. Are you ready? I think I am. Hashtag AskTGC is getting incredibly good. The I know we say it all the time, but the 
the sheer number of submissions are, are at record highs. I wonder if it's a UK thing. It's more of a culture. I of feel like print. people are at home. Yeah, they need to get stuff off their chest. They've got three hours. Why not send an essay into the boys? Yeah, I've, some I've, lengthy essays. Let me tell you, I fucking read some essays this week, man. Yeah, mostly on QAnon. But also, it's a separate issue. <laughs> that's, that's a separate thing. <laughs> I've actually mixed those two up. My brain's a bit fuzzy. Uh, it's a bit TV staticky at the moment. Got a bit going on. Um, anonymous writes in. This one came in from Patreon Pez, um, and we were thus obliged to read it. There. Yeah. Dear TGC, please keep anonymous for possible legal legal slash wider implications. Nice. As a struggling third slash fourth grader, park player, my ability. <laughs> sorry, I was starting as a struggling. Th- Three-fourth grade park player, my inability to make runs or get wickets is making me feel like a social outcast. To put into perspective, our first 11 captain made over 700 runs, including five tons, two consecutively in the first two games of the season and took nine wickets, bowling yuck doorknobs. I've realized my only way to socially compete is to have a better rig than them. (laughs) But with the rise of COVID in Melbourne... We are unable to attend gyms. So here is my question. Do I continue to work and train in my dream of being a good player or do I find a reliable source of anabolic steroids from China to improve my chest and pipes and make my way into the ones as a pure rig-based selection? Cheers. Anon. Not to be confused with QAnon, but that is your question from Anon. I'm surprised that Anonymous – I mean, there was, I can't think of anything there that would have given him away. I mean, he's speaking for about 7,000 cricketers there. So yeah. anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, like I'm surprised only, he's only just realising now that his only way to socially compete is to have a bit better rig. I mean, that's the best way to socially compete in life, isn't it, beyond even your cricketing skills. I'm looking at you directly. Deeply. He goes, uh, I just have another question. It's for you. Like He goes, can you get, <laughs> in the absence of anabolic steroids from China, which I realise is an option, yeah. can you get big or even ripped from home workouts? You know, I go on muscleandstrength.com. People there look good, but I reckon they're using gyms. <laughs> mate, you, mate, you got a door, you got a gym. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. No, you can't. Because, like, on. so if you want to get big, that's yeah. based on resistance. Now, like, to, to be athletic looking, you want to get lean, that's like 99% diet. Like, mm. The thing is, like, abs are made in the kitchen, they'll be like 50% here, 50% at the gym. It's like, no, it's like, it's, it's overwhelming majority of. It's diet. caloric deficit. Yes, exactly right. Now, so you can get ripped at home. Yeah, you can lean out at home, no, no doubt. Lean out, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can just do some cardio. Like mm. here, here in Melbourne, you can only be out, you know, for an hour a day. You can't leave 5Ks in your house, blah, 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 blah. Mm. So, yeah, it's definitely harder to do any sort of – the gyms are closed. They'll be closed forever here. Mm. Um, mm. But uh, I, I just thought it's like having, having a good body is far more – it's far more readily accessible and achievable than to be good at cricket because it's a closed skill. So cricket is like there's some things out of your control. If you ain't done it yet, brother, then you're not going to be good at cricket. Like, like, yeah, um, exactly. go down a few grades, maybe. Yeah, you that's can another way politicize your yeah, way that's into a good, some that's runs. That's a good point. That's a good point. Secret option three. Little secret door there. There's always options here. That's good from you, actually. And I will say it like that because I'm surprised. It's good for your capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is about you know um, if you want to get big and you know stuff is that you'll you'll have the curse then of never being happy with how you look. Um, you, you'll, never, you'll never achieve perfection. Exactly. You'll never achieve satisfaction about how you feel, which is obviously how most girlfriends, cricketers feel. Uh, generally, they'll never be satisfied. Um, so Shane Warne took a diuretic uh, for aesthetic reasons, claiming not to have 
use it as a masking agent for uh, performance enhancing drugs, but rather he was doing it to look good. So you can also be the greatest player of a generation, of a, of a lifetime in the history of the code mm. and also just also want to look good. So there's that as well. Um, half the Australian team has Botox in their faces, so don't be scared to inject some stuff. Yep. Um, and um, look, I'd be wary of getting anabolic steroids or peptides from China at the moment. At but, the moment. But there's probably some stuff you can get from Russia. Yeah. From experience? I'd never do that, but yeah. if you want to do that. Yeah. yeah. You've seen it online. I've seen it on the dark web. Yeah. Yeah. Seen heaps of stuff on the dark web. That was an interesting point. So you're saying as someone who has achieved um, you know, a reasonably good-looking body, and I only say that it, I'm only parroting what I see from your DMs that you get. Right. Um, is that like even though you look good, you can still never feel as good as you want to look. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's so not- it's more about it's more about self-esteem, really. Like it's more about finding what your actual value is in life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm or not- just doing heaps of push-ups. As Kate Moss said, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. I've never that's, tried. I've never tried not, myself. That's not true, isn't it? Yeah, I've never tried. There's heaps of things which taste better. Really, well, really good things. stuff. Yeah. yeah, like what? Um, <laughs> you had Guzman Gomez last night. I did. Mm. I did. The business yeah. is going well. Yeah. Xavier Coy writes in. Yeah. <laughs> Xavier that's, wrote last week, and we've given him a double run because I just really enjoyed this question. Xavier Coy. So did Xavier write it last week? He did. He did, or the week before. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well. You're right. Well. Here's something. Two erudite gentlemen on the reflexively brushing themselves off as idiots on the internet are providing wonderful insights into the machinations of the cricket lover's brain. Where's your order of Australia? People don't understand your service to society, how you're helping, helping people overcome the pain, the yearning, the anger, the daddy issues cricket brings out. Don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Things are getting out of hand here. Fucking cricket is slowly starting to be more and more ubiquitous in my life. It's terrifying. Depressive episode. Fixed by the YouTube video of Steve Orr's sledge on Herschel Gibbs for dropping the World Cup. Cop that, Herschel. Fucking forearms. Bet that red hanky gives you nightmares. Am I turning into an angry 50-year-old noodling nothing offies who sledges 14-year-old future stars before going back to the sheds, knocking back 16 beers, trying to teabag his mates and then getting home, <laughs> getting back home trying to cry over his unsigned divorce papers and wanking into his favourite sock? Hypermanic episode. I drove from Sydney to Barrow last week to go to the Bradman Museum. Good average, shit bloke apparently. There was a photo of the Don licking a soft serve ice cream cone that's been pierced into my brain. Genuinely disturbing. I bought a bat. <laughs> Cricket is a cancer. How do I cut it out? Why do I love something so much that clearly hates everything it comes into contact with? Great pod. Get it, Pezzy lad and Hig rat. <laughs> P.S. I was told bipolar is now part of the neurodiverse family. Fuck me. What is the world coming to? I think anyone who loves cricket should be part of my clan. Jump on board, lads. We'll start a support group. I'll provide the Kingstons. Okay, well, let's go through this step by step. Okay, yeah. First of all, thank yeah. you, Xavier. Um, second of all, the Steve Waugh thing, like how fucking good do you have to be at batting to be batting in a World Cup match and a bloke drops a catch and just sledge the fielder? Like what's that level? That's And what's that like um, – familiarity with playing for Australia where you can just say stuff that you'd say in the backyard. Like you've just literally played like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of matches for your country. Mm. It's just another match. He drops it. You're like, you strop walk up. Yeah. I've seen this before. Yeah. I've done this a million times before. Exactly. Not like don't have adrenaline or anything. You just ice cool. Anyway. That's the thing as well that you can only pull that off in the international level. Mm. And if you're Steve Waugh, because like I've, I've heard that said, um, in a club game that I was a part of, a guy said that bloke just dropped the grand final. Fucking, Worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah. 
he actually did drop the grand final in yeah, hindsight, right. but he was right to do that. But um, yeah, now I've never understood the sock thing, wanking into a sock. I'm not really sure what that like stimulation is trying to replicate. Yeah, carpet burn. No, no, nor, nor I. I it's can't. Not, can't not my thing. Especially these these days with ankle socks. Good average ship bloke might be the most. <laughs> good average ship bloke might be the most succinct, perfect analogy for Bradman ever. Um, but also there's like this fascination like where you speak about often with Bradman doing anything. Like um, Xavier was saying, like you saw a photo of him licking an ice cream cone, whatever. And I, I just think that I just That's think, the Bradman gear I'm into, to be honest. <laughs> Mate, that's why Bradman's so fascinating. I mean, you just think about like Bradman like railing up in the back of a toilet on one of those boat tours to England. You and think about that, yeah. I think about it all the time. It's just yeah. like, yeah, what was going on? Bradman doing anything. He's just because he's such an enigma. He's such this like angelic, perfect character. Unless you break it down. I like Bradman's like Puritanism, really. Like I like the the connection to religion, the Protestantism. I like the parallels with Marnus Labuschagne. Like I actually get safety out of Labuschagne's Christianity and faith. I, I don't personally subscribe to the, um, I guess, the prophecy or the edict itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's um, incorrect. But I, yeah. get, I, I get a lot of safety out of the fact that when he goes in, and Joffrey just knocked out Steve Smith. He knows the Lord's with him. And, he's like, and for that reason, true. I'm like, you've got that mental uh, toughness that comes with that. That's true, actually, because you don't find that. Because you, you seem to get that a lot more in, like, uh, in American sports where typically African-American community-based sports, they're like very heavily into Christianity and stuff. And they always thank God and that sort of yeah. thing. Like God's big in the US. Yeah, yeah really, big really big there. Yeah. Really big there. Um, much like Manus is here. So it's like, yeah, you, you do kind of get this safe mm. feeling of like, oh, well, he is a Christian, therefore he's committed his life to this one thing. He, yeah. he has um, a discipline. A discipline and, and just because they're, they're Christian doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, well, they're going to be, you know. They're boring as it, fuck doesn't or, mean that or, necessarily. Or like, you know, you might think, oh, God, I know the story of Jesus. It's a story of love. And there's a lot of other stuff that goes on in the gospel that's actually very, Heaps very great stuff, cricket. Very, very hard. Talking snake. Mm. God's pretty Cain killing Abel. Old Testament. God goes pretty hard on people. Pretty vindictive he goes about ham. stuff. Yeah, he goes really hard. And I think if you bring a bit of that Old Testament hardness to your cricket, yeah, yeah, yeah. then that's going to leave you in pretty good stead. So Old Brad, Testament that, is much more Steve Waugh. It's the harder. Whereas yeah. Tim Payne's kind of more New Testament. New Testament. It's more New Testament. Disciples. Yeah. Yeah. And where was Langer. Warner? Warner Judas. Yeah. Yeah. Warner. Yeah. He sort of crosses over a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Who's Moses? Judas. Judas was a good bloke. Who's Rex? W. J- w Jackson writes in. He's also a Patreon subscriber. Uh, <laughs> shall I read the first? I'll, I'll read all of it. Um, hi, Pez and Egos. Thank you for my tarot reading. Uh, he's referring to the... Um, you get tarot reading if you sign up at 10 bucks uh, a month on Patreon. Anyway. Right. Yeah. It was a good laugh, and my apologies for finally giving you a single initial to work with. Uh, having become accustomed to my newfound internet anonymity, I'm reluctant to part with it. However, I can offer up two additional middle initials if that would assist with further the tarot reading, furthering tarot reading. While I think you were close to the mark with several of your readings, I feared I didn't provide you enough details for optimal accuracy. Um, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I think middle initials... Uh, next next paragraph. Sure. In yeah. the meantime, I have an hashtag RCGC off the back of a few recent episodes debating Anderson's bowling record and the relative worth of right and left-handed runs. Mm. Do you think there is an exchange rate between English and Australian wickets and does it fluctuate over time? Yes. Personally, I benefit from transferring from Sydney to London soon after the Brexit vote, taking advantage of a collapsed British pound. At the time of the Brexit vote, Anderson had 433 test wickets, putting him a bit above Pollock and below Star. 
disdain, which feels to me where most Australians would rank Anderson in the pantheon of bowlers. Is it possible that English wickets since 2016 have been rendered mostly worthless as the wicket exchange rate also collapsed during Brexit? Lovely. Alternatively, could it be that the exchange rate was so inflated in 2005 against an all-time great Australian side that no English bowler will ever overtake Flint off 05? Would appreciate mm. your thoughts, chaps, all the best. Pezzy lad. I, I completely agree with this, um, I, I guess, methodology to like rating wickets. I, not all wickets are equal. Um, I there, there, that. there is an exchange rate. Like if there wasn't an exchange rate on wickets, Murali would be the greatest bowler of all time. But he ain't. Warren wouldn't even be the best spinner of his playing cohort, you know, of his era. Murali would be. Right. Um, Brett Lee would be Australia's fourth best ever bowler. Ever. Right. Brett right. Lee. Binger. Right. Quick. Yeah. Quick. He was really quick. Mate. Yeah. But he got, was quick. He was quick. Yeah, yeah. Rapid. Yeah. Rapid. Couple better bowlers than him, though. Mm-hmm. Sean um, Tate. It's the, it's, you know, cricket's, it's the wet night in Stoke principle, really. Right. You, know, you need to be able to right. do it there. That's why Messi will fail. <laughs> Okay, that's that's my. But I I, okay. I I can't add anything more to um, W Jackson. Well, I had a interesting thing where I then went to look up what the most valuable and least valuable currencies are in the world, Go and on. I thought I might apply it to uh, the test playing nations, uh, if you'd be so kind. Now, the, the Kuwaiti dinar, I believe it is, is the highest value currency in the world. So that's like where are wickets the most valuable, and I had that as Australia, because I feel like there's enough in it for bowlers. So, for instance, the Bahrainian dinar is number two. Now, I thought that's South Africa because there's a bit in the wickets in South Africa and you're playing at altitude, therefore it's quicker. So, you become so Australia's the toughest wickets. It's the flattest. Well, it's, it's the toughest, but it's also like, so for instance, like the Vietnamese dong is the second lowest value currency in the world, as you mm. obviously know. Now, that, that to me is Sri Lanka. We're like the wickets Easy in Sri Lanka. So like Harath, for right. instance. Harath got like over 400 test match wickets. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest players. He might be over 500 test match wickets. He's got heaps of wickets. Heaps. Yeah, but ever seen Harath bowl a good spell? Ever. I think that's probably a bit harsh. It is a bit harsh. Now, the Iranian real is the lowest currency in the world, and I reckon that's the UAE. Mohammed Abbas. We think Abbas's wickets there are easy. Is that what you're saying? I just don't think they translate anywhere else. They, no, there's no value to them. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, Abbas, if Abbas does that anywhere else, he's, he's plays threes. Yeah, yeah. Except in England, where there's some sort of crossover there. Yeah, um, well, I like the idea that uh, the whole exchange rate collapsed post Brexit. So I like that as well because I do think that Australia rates Anderson probably between Pollock and Stain. I don't. I, I think you'd struggle to find many Australians who would genuinely prefer James mm. Anderson over Dale Stane, but many of them would say, would concede, yes, he's better than Sean Pollock. I think that's, a, that's he's placed them wonderfully there, W. Jackson, if, if it is indeed a he. Yeah, if it, it is indeed a he. It. Well, thank you very much to Harry Conway and Sam Billings for coming on the show because they've made it this far as well, and as have you people out there, you lovely people out there. Uh, thanks, as, thanks for joining us ever. Pezzy lad, he rat. <laughs> Signing <laughs> see, off. See you guys next week. <laughs>